Hello everyone and welcome to another exciting installment of the IntelliKey podcast. Today we're talking about the Dyatlov Pass incident. What is the Dyatlov Pass incident, you ask? Well, the Dyatlov Pass incident was an incident that happened many years ago in Russia. And I'm going to take you guys step by step through what happened and the evidence and so forth. Most of you that know me know that I get obsessed by stuff. And I've been obsessed by the Dyatlov Pass incident since I was a teenager and I read about it. I read about it, I think, when I was about 14 or 15 years of age. And I was, like, astounded by it because I'm like a dude that really likes mysteries. And someone said to me, dude, you're... Fucking every once in a while you go off on this tangent where you see a new piece of evidence or a new theory on the internet and you just want to talk, stop talking about it for weeks. Why don't you just do a fucking podcast on it? And I'm like, okay, I'm there. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Got a ton of awesome music, um, some of my personal all-time favorites. So um, the rules of engagement before we start, I don't do research. I have done a shitload of research on this one. So for this podcast, I've broken that rule because over the years, I've done a lot of reading, a lot of watching documentaries, a lot of analysis on this. Um, but normally I don't, and I swear a lot. Fuck shit, ass cunt boobs. If you don't like swearing, this is not the podcast that you're searching for. Go somewhere else. So I'm going to play a couple of songs, and we'll be back soon to kick off our wonderful mystery for the week. Walk. 
Piddle piggy in the middle, we are off. So, let me tell you about this thing called the Dyatlov Pass incident. So, the Dyatlov Pass incident um, is about the unsolved deaths of, of nine uh, ski hikers in the Ural Mountains, which is in the in the north of what was then the Soviet Union and is now Russia. So, this happened between the first and the second of February of 1959. Now, let's get some things straight. These nine uh, hikers, skiers, they were really experienced trekking group. These were not, you know, let's just do this for shits and giggles. These guys were rated, right? So they were all from a place called the Ural Polytechnical Institute, um, which was like a, it's, you know, like the equivalent of RMIT here in Melbourne. And so they established a, a camp on the slopes of a place called Kovatsaki right in an area which is now uh, named after the group's leader which is which was Igor Dyatlov who was the most experienced hiker there 
Um, so the local Menzi tribe uh, called Koatsaki a dead mountain because nothing was meant to ever grow there, right? So during the night, something unexplicable kind of caused these hikers to kind of rip and cut their way out of their tents and run as fast as they could from the campsite with barely any clothes on in sub-zero temperatures and with a really heavy snowfall. And I guess to me the Diablov Pass incident is, isn't in a lot of ways about how they died. It's really about what forced these really experienced people to run right in in fear obviously barely clothed some of them without shoes on into sub-zero temperatures what was it that set them off now after the the the, the bodies were discovered and we'll talk about what happened right um, there was an in investigation by the soviet union authorities and they determined that the six that six six of the nine had died from hypothermia while another three showed signs of, of physical trauma right so one of them had a fractured skull two others had major chest fractures and another team member and this is what some of the creepy shit about this uh she was missing both her tongue and her eyes when they found her so what the 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 soviet kind of uh, authorities concluded that an unknown compelling force, and, and these are the words that have always been used, an unknown compelling force caused their deaths. Now there have been numerous theories, numerous theories, like everything from, um, I'm, I'm shit you not, um, animal attacks, yeti, UFOs, hypothermia, avalanche, infrasound induced panic, military involvement, or an entire combination of these right um that area is accessible now but for i think it was about three years after the incident it was closed down to to anyone right now i'm going to give you the the names of the nine of them in the order of leadership and experience there was igor dyatlov who's the leader and that's what the dyatlov pass has been named off after there was yuri doroshenko there was ludmilia dubininia there was yuri krivichenko there was alexander kolavatov there was zinaida kolmogorova rustam slobodin nikolai brignol semyon zolotaryov and yuri yudin now Yuri Yudin was the 10th member and believe it or not as the expedition as they got to the bottom of Dead Mountain he got sick so he actually turned back and he is was the only survivor he died in 1973 he was about 75 years of age but he was the only survivor of that expedition because he was never there that night so I hope it's got you guys a little bit interested and um, we will come back and talk soon. I'm not a man, 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 I'
incident and uh, I've got some messages from people they're really interested actually a couple of people especially some of my Russian listeners are super interested in this um, because for a long time this has been almost a taboo subject in in in, uh, in Russia people don't want to talk about it everyone's got theories but really it's one of those things that they don't like to talk about so they're very interested to see how well I do describing this or how well I fuck it up so I hope I'm doing you guys some justice so Let's talk a little bit about the search and discovery. So before leaving for the expedition, Dyatlov had agreed that he would send a telegram to this sports club because this was part of the Europolytechnic uh, Institute sports club, this hike. Um, as soon as the group returned to a place called Vista, which was, uh, I guess, the, the, the last point of civilization before they hit the mountain. And he expected that this wasn't going to happen any later than 12th of February. But Dyatlov had told Yuri Yudin, who was the, the one that turned back before his departure from the group, that 
he expected it to probably be a little bit longer. So when the 12th passed and no messages were received by the sports club, there wasn't any kind of immediate reaction because delays of a few days were common with these kind of expeditions. I mean, they're going off into the arse end of the world, dude. So, you know, sometimes things happen. They take a little longer. They take more photos, etc. But it wasn't until the, the relatives of, of the expedition members demanded a rescue operation on the 20th, because nothing had been heard from them by the 20th of February, that the kind of uh, the head of the institute sent the first rescue groups, and they were mostly volunteer students and teachers. Later, the army became involved with planes and helicopters, but that was much, much later in the piece. So on the 26th of February, the searchers found the actual tent and the campsite, right? And the campsite kind of just threw them for a spin, right? So the student that found the tent um, said that the tent was half torn down and covered with snow. It was empty and, you know, uh, but all of the group's belongings and shoes had been left behind, right? Now, it also said that the tent had been cut open from the inside and eight or nine sets of footprints were left by people wearing only socks or a single shoe or in some cases barefoot. Uh, heading towards the woods on the opposite side of the pass. Um, however, about 500 metres, these tracks were kind of covered with snow. Uh, so at the forest's edge, right, the searchers found some visible remains of a small fire. So what we can kind of tell from this is that whatever happened, it was at the entrance to their tent because they chose not to exit through the entrance they chose to cut their way up through the side and run for their fucking lives right so what the other thing is they kind of got to the edge 500 meters away and built a fire which to me says that they expected to return to the campsite right um either be because they thought that whatever threat was attacking them was going to pass or because they knew that there was no way that they were going to survive without going back and getting their goodies right um, now, near that fire, that's where they found the two first bodies, which were uh, Dorochenko and Krivnichenko, right? They, were, they, were, they had no shoes, and they were dressed only in their underwear. So think about this, right? Shoes, no shoes in their underwear, experienced hikers, so whatever it was must have scared the shit out of them. Uh, the branches of the tree were broken about five meters up. So they kind of suggest that the skiers had climbed up to look for something, maybe look at the camp. And between the, the pine, right, and the camp, the searchers found three more bodies. They found uh, uh, Igor Dyatlov, they found uh, Komogorova, and they found Slobodin, uh, who seemed to have died in poses suggesting that they were attempting to return to the tent, right? And they were found separately at distances of 300, 480, and 630 meters from the tree where they'd set the fire, right? So it seems to me and, and they were scarcely dressed too. So it seems to me like they got to a point where they were so... They were scared of what was back at camp, but they were more scared of dying out there. So they decided to try and make their way back. And they were so fucked up through hypothermia that they just died there. Now, it took another... It actually took probably more than two months to find the remaining four hikers. And they were found on the 4th of May under four meters of snow in a ravine that was about 75 meters further into the woods from where the tree was, right? Um, so these four were much better dressed with the others. And those, that obviously shows signs that 
um, they've lasted longer. They got away further. They didn't have, because they had shoes and they had clothing, they were trying to get away further. They didn't think about going back because they probably thought that they were okay with what they had, right? Um, so it, the other theory that is that those that had died first had basically given their clothes to the others. So maybe they knew they were on their way out, so they gave these clothes to these, right? Now, the investigation itself was quite interesting because um, there were a lot of conflicting stuff. So the medical examination found no injuries which might have led to their deaths. But it was a visually, it was kind of concluded that all had died of hypothermia. Now, Swoboden had a small crack in his skull, but it wasn't meant to be a fatal wound. Now, this is of the first five bodies. So the first five bodies were concluded to have died of hypothermia. The four bodies which were found in May, the ones that were found in the ravine, was totally different because three of them had injuries. Uh, Brignol had a major skull fracture, and Dubinia and Solatirov had major chest fractures. So according to the, the coroner, the force required to cause such damage would have been really uh, extremely high, like compared to being hit by a car or being in a car crash. However, and this is the shit that oh, does my head in, man, the bodies, they had no external wounds related to the bone fractures. So it was like they were crushed internally without leaving any external, um, you know, signs. Like they kind of, there was this high level of internal pressure. Um, but major external injuries were found on Dubinia and she was missing her tongue, her eyes, part of her lips. Uh, as well as some f uh, facial tissue and fragments, skull bones. And she also had a lot of uh, a skin maceration on her hands. Um, it's possible that that was animals, but I find it weird that animals would, would eat away at one specific body, but not the other bodies. So there was some in initial speculation that this, these indigenous Manzi people might have attacked and murdered the group because they were on their land. But the kind of investigation, the investigation showed that it didn't support this. There were no other footprints aside than the ones from the hikers. And there was no kind of sign of, of any kind of punch on or, or, or someone fighting. If someone attacks you, you, you attack them back. You try to defend yourself, right? So... This is, these are the facts as we know. Six of the group members died of hypothermia and three died of fatal injuries. There were no indications of other people nearby on Kalatsaki, apart from the nine travelers. The tent was ripped open from inside. The victims had died six to eight hours after their last meal. Traces from the camp show that all of the group members left the campsite of their own accord on foot. To kind of dispel this theory of attack by the Manzi people, the, the state coroner stated that the fatal injuries of the three bodies could not have been caused by another human being. The, the force of the blows were too strong and none of, no external signs of soft tissue had been damaged. The released documents by the authorities contained no information about the condition of the skier's internal organs and there were no survivors of the incident. So, that's what we know so far. 
I'm going to play a couple of songs and then we're going to have a little bit of a chat about theory. So uh, hang in there. Into my arms, 
talking about the day out of past incident and it's just one of those mysteries dude that i read everything on that i can get my hands on it it just trips me out so we've spoken about who they were why they were there and how supposedly they died but what we're now about to talk about is some of the theories right the theories behind it but before we do that i want to do a shout out to our show sponsors uh, Traps Restaurants, who are at uh, 535 Nepean Highway in um, Bomb Beach, and Zenko at 627 uh, Nepean Highway, Karen. 
Uh, I was actually at Zanko today having a gelati, and it is awesome. I recommend you guys go down there and have a look. Uh, Trucks restaurants, Monday nights and Wednesday nights, uh, $20 to $25. Palmer's and their huge Thursday night steak night. So go down there, have something to eat. Say hi to Jeff and Casey. Ozpitminders at ozpitminders.com.au, your trusted pit care alternative. Call them today, 048 Mr. Kevin Spencer. They do dog walking, pet transport, waste removal, feeding and watering, medications. If you go away, they do bins in and out. You name it, security checks. So go to ozpetminus.com.au or call them on 048 Dupsis at dupsis.com. That's D-O-O-B-S-I-S-S.com. No mystery here. They do web and application development. My homeboy Ivan does the entire design, development, deployment, the entire software development life cycle. He will create and develop and implement new websites. He'll customize existing websites, do API development, front-end and back-end design and development, custom PHP and JavaScript software modules. They'll do on-page and off-page search engine optimization, pretty much everything you need for your web application development needs. So reach out to them on dubsis.com. That's D-O-O-B-S-I-S-S.com. And of course, Cruise PT. That's C-R-U-Z space PT on Facebook and Instagram. My little brother, Phil the Cruise, uh, mad personal trainer. If you've ever wanted to learn how to fight without actually getting punched in the face and get super fit, he is your man. He's got some awesome videos up uh, on Instagram and on Facebook. And, you know, fought MMA, fought Muay Thai, fought and, tra- fought and trained in Thailand. Very qualified. So he is an awesome dude to take you from zero to hero when it comes to the fight game. So let's talk about some of the theories around the Dyatlov Pass incident. So the first theory is avalanche. And there's this thought that an avalanche caused the hikers' deaths, right? Um, however, there's some evidence uh, that it that's not quite good. And some of the stuff that they say is the location at the incident didn't have any obvious signs of an avalanche taking place. It would have left patterns and debris and that just wasn't there. Um, over 100 expeditions to the region since that incident, none have ever reported conditions that might create an avalanche, right? An analysis of the terrain, the slope, and the incline. So see, they were at about 30 degrees. There's no way that an avalanche would have been able to pick up enough speed to, to do that level of damage. It shows that that's just not possible. And, um, you know, Dyatlov and uh, Zolotaryov, they were studying their master certificate in ski instruction and mountain hiking. And these guys would have never set up a camp anywhere near a potential avalanche. So avalanche, out of the picture. Infrasound is another one. Um, There's a 2013 book called Dead Mountain um, by uh, Donny Acar, which is probably one of my favorite books on the subject, um, is that the, the wind around the mountain created a Carmen Vortex Street, which can produce infrasound, uh, which is capable of inducing panic attacks in humans, right? So basically the wind kind of drove them insane and made them kind of run for their lives, right? That is a possibility. And it's one which has, you know, uh, it's it's very possible that that's, that that's probably the most, um, kind of adhered to or probably one of the most feasible ones because it has been under Carmen Vortex streets and I read up very much on this they induce panic attacks um, 
they uh, also can have a physical discomfort and mental distress in, in, in people. So it has both a physiological and a, um, a, a psychological effect. Now that might explain why they left the camp. It still kind of doesn't explain why four of them had such, uh, the four in the ravine had such strange kind of deaths, right? You can understand the hypothermia and all that shit, but not the other ones. Um, military tests for a long time. Uh, so at that time, um, there were a lot of tests around that area, supposedly by the military. Um, and they had these things called parachute mines. So it's possible that parachute mines kind of detonated a meter or two before they hit the ground, because that's what they're prone to do. And they produce damage similar to what those guys experienced, heavy internal damage with very little external trauma. Um, and there were some glowing orbs reported in the sky in the kind of general vicinity, which could have been caused by that. Um, now, what people say is, you know, what about Dubonina, you know, all those missing stuff. And again, it goes back to my original theory of animals having eaten that part of it, right? So it's very possible that that is a theory. Um, now, the theory on, on military tests was also based on a discovery of radioactivity on some of the clothing as well as the bodies. Um, and that the, the, the relatives say that their skin was kind of orange with gray hair. And radioactive tests were also believed to have been carried out, um, you know, in that area. Um, there was an initial suppression of files around the group's disappearance, but they were all released in, in the 80s, in the late 80s. And there's nothing, it's, it's a theory, right, guys? For every theory, there is a counter theory, right? And so, you know, that's, that's it's possible that, that, that that's what happened. The other one that I really love is called paradoxical undressing. Um, it was called, and that is that the hikers' deaths were caused by hypothermia, and it induces a behavior known as paradoxical undressing, right? In which hypothermic subjects kind of remove their clothes in response to perceived feelings of burning warmth. Um, and like it is undisputed that six of the nine hikers died of hypothermia. However, the other ones appear to have gotten additional clothing from those which have died. And that kind of suggests that they were of sound enough mind to add additional layers. There is also the uh, mink theory, which was a discovery channel, the Russian Yeti. You know what I mean? That the group was killed by a mink, uh, which is a Russian Yeti. Uh, the premise that the, the skier's injuries were such that only a creature with superhuman strength could have caused them. But, you know, there's, there's no evidence to that. And also, you know, if I'm attacked by an animal, there's going to be external signs. They're not all going to be internal. So, you know, um, those are the kind of major theories. But some of the other ones that I'll kind of touch on uh, are, <laughs> you know, UFOs, right? Uh, that they were attacked by wildlife that the, the Menzi tribesmen did it and then kind of cleaned up their tracks. Uh, that high winds blew them away, uh, or blew at least one member away, and the other ones tried to rescue the person. Um, a violent dispute amongst the group took place. So there's a lot of different 
theories around what happened to the Dia of Pass expedition. But I'm going to play some music and I'm going to come back soon with some of my own thoughts. So stay tuned. Thank you. 
Seidarkan Come out soon Santa come out to call him Santa come out to call
All right, kiddies, we're back and we've reached the end of the show. So what do we make of all this? I've been studying this for a very long time. And I must admit, it's a bit of an obsession of mine. And I keep returning to it. It's kind of like watching Lost. I'm obsessed with Lost as well, but I'm even more obsessed with this because it's real life. The conclusions that I've come to is that only those nine people know exactly what happened that night. And we're never going to know exactly what happened. But if we look at the evidence, and I've looked at the evidence, what we are looking at here is, I think, a combination of things, right? The theory that kind of seems the most plausible to me, right, is the 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 combination of um, those mines dropping from the sky because at a physical level those mines are extremely um, you know they're extremely kind of um, what they do to the body is very much in line with what happened to their bodies. Now, people say, Lato, what about the fact that uh, none of those mines were ever found, that no other, you know, signs of those mines take place? Well, we don't know that because there were reports that the military had actually been to the site prior to the searches. Now, there's an above average probability that if they're doing testing and they know that they fucked up and there's a bunch of hikers out there dead, that they have gone and they have retrieved and cleaned up that evidence, right? Wiped out footprints. Some of those special forces, Spetsnaz motherfuckers, have gone, retrieved those mines and basically disappeared from the area, right? What then happens is, in fear, these people run for their lives. Some are in better state than others. And so some survive for longer than others. Some sacrifice themselves, right, by giving their clothes to their comrades, perhaps their weaker comrades, right? And that's why those four made it all the way to the ravine in better states of clothing, wearing other people's clothes. However, hypothermia set in, right? It's very, very possible that um, they tried to go back to camp or that they saw people at that camp cleaning up military forces and in actual fact um you know basically tried to go back and never made it because of hypothermia right when people say to me okay well what about the radiation well what about the radiation i mean the radiation for me we know that there was testing being carried out in the Ural Mountains. And it's also funny to note that the ones that got the most, uh, you know, orange skin and, and grey hair kind of radiation signs were the ones found in the ravine. So it's very, very possible that closer to that ravine, that had been, I mean, a ravine is in essence a crater. What was that crater created by, right? It could have been created by radioactive testing, right? So it's very possible that over a period of time, that radiation basically wiped them out. The extreme force 
right? Could have been created by the minds. It could have been created by, you know, um, falling down that ravine. You know, the biting of the, the missing lips and the missing eyes could have been done by animals, right? The thing, there are some holes in my overall theory, and that theory is that potentially, if they, you know, if the military came and took away the mines and wiped their footprints, why wouldn't they just go and grab those bodies and get rid of them as well? In essence, make the whole thing disappear. Anyone that came searching for them, right, potentially would just never find them. They just disappeared off the face of the earth. So there are some, some um, I guess, thoughts in my theory, some holes in my theory. What we do know for real and for truth is that something truly fucked up happened out there and we may never know what exactly happened because most of the people that were involved in the search party in the investigation in the expedition you know half of the experts on this stuff are now long dead we're talking about 1959 long fucking time ago dude but it's something that continues to grip me every time a new book comes out a new theory comes out a new documentary comes out i'm there and i'm watching it and um i love it I absolutely love it. I, I don't love it. My heart goes out to them. My heart goes out to their families. It's a terrible thing. But it's something that we should continue to investigate and hopefully one day have the technology or the information available to us to kind of find out what, what happened um, that day at Day at Love Pass. So I urge you guys to watch movies. I urge you guys to go read Dead Mountain by Acar. I urge you guys to, to look into it because it truly is a phenomenal mystery. Well, that's all I've got for this week. I hope you guys have enjoyed the show. Um, don't go hiking, especially not in Russia. Uh, be good to yourselves. Be good to each other. Remember who loves you. Uncle Paulie loves you. And I'll see you next week. Deuces.
takes more than just a memory to make me cry. And I'm happy just to see you at a table with old friends and see which one of us can tell the biggest lies. And there's a girl. Crap. 